Welcome to MTSU on the Record. I'm Jenna Logue, and we're coming to you from the campus of Middle Tennessee State University in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Dustin Brannon has been named the 2019 Tennessee State History Teacher of the Year by the Gilder Lehrman Institute of American History in New York. Brannon earned his bachelor's degree in education in 2012 and his master's degree in education with an emphasis in school administration in 2017, both from MTSU. He's the dean of the eighth grade at Rocky Fork Middle School in Smyrna, where he teaches U.S. history. We'll be back to talk about the future of the past after this. Here are some of the headlines making news at mtsunews.com, the university's news and information website. Officials at MTSU's James E. Walker Library say a new program that provides textbooks for the university's most heavily populated courses is very popular. The 21 texts and other reading materials are intended for use in high-enrollment general education classes. The subjects include astronomy, biology, chemistry, communication studies, economics, English, geology, history, mathematics, psychology, and theater. Students can check out the textbooks for three hours at a time for use in the library only. If a textbook requires an authorization code, only a copy of the textbook will be made available. And Tennessee's housing report for the second quarter of 2019 shows promising mixed signals. With construction permits down a bit year over year amid the lowest foreclosure rates in two decades and a strong job market. That's according to the latest statewide quarterly housing report from the MTSU Business and Economic Research Center in partnership with the Tennessee Housing Development Agency. Home prices across the state were up 6.4% from a year ago. The most significant increases are in the Kingsport-Bristol area at 9.5% and Cleveland, Tennessee at 8.7%. The least significant changes were in the Memphis and Morristown areas, increases of 5.3% each. For MTSU News at any time, go to mtsunews.com. Welcome and congratulations, Dustin. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. How did you come to the attention of the Gilder Lemon Institute? So this is kind of a kind of a unique thing. Um, basically, I spend a lot of time the summers going through and like doing a lot of different things all throughout like the, you know, the country uh, doing professional developments. And um, somewhere along the line, someone has nominated me for that. Uh, it's most likely someone that I have worked with at one of those professional developments. But as far as like actually knowing who that person was, I do not know. You don't have a clue. Huh? Do not have a clue. Well, you must have made an impression. I, yeah, I believe so. And it's uh, it's an honor to be selected for that. You've uh, done these professional development workshops at Monticello, That's at great. the White House. At the most southern place ever, or what did they call that thing? Uh, yeah, that one was the most southern place on earth. So yeah. I had to go check that out because I kind of thought Tennessee was that. So uh, Delta State that University. That was it. Delta State. They they are they are definitely very southern. So <laughs> they uh, they've properly named that workshop. And these are all places and events uh, to which educators go to. Uh, uh, learn from each other and improve themselves. Yes, basically. ma'am. So basically, every uh, every uh, teacher in the state of Tennessee, they have to have a certain amount of professional development.
development hours. Um, a lot of times you can do those, you know, within your school or within the community. Um, I have selected to be able to go and do these uh, all throughout the country because a lot of stuff that I'm going to do these professional developments with, they actually all pertain to the stuff that I teach. So being able to go through and find more information out and be able to bring that to my students, that's the, the main goal of why I do those all over the U.S. The professional development doesn't necessarily have to be in the state of Tennessee. No, it does not. What does this award mean to you? So this, I mean, this is a, it's a very humbling thing, especially to, you know, to, to not know exactly who it was that I had influenced somewhere along the way. Um, but it's a, you know, it's a very humbling thing because there's tons of educators all throughout the state of Tennessee and to be selected as the one that is the the top Tennessee teacher. It's a, you know, it's a really, it's a, it's a big honor to be able to to have that bestowed upon me. Have you spent the one thousand dollar prize yet? One hundred. Um, well, it's one thousand dollar prize. It's, yeah, it's ten. It's a uh, fifty thousand dollars for the national. I it think. is. Uh, yeah. Oh, it's ten thousand dollars for the national. Ten thousand for but, the national. Um, and but, that person has already been selected. They have already been selected. Yes, ma'am. That was the lady from uh, Washington D.C. Uh huh. And uh, have you already spent? The one thousand. No, I'm more of a saver, so I've you know <laughs> I've got that back just uh just you know keeping that nice and warm in the savings account. Why history and or social studies, uh, which is what they called it when I was in the eighth grade? Uh, what attracted you to this discipline? So the you know this is a this is once again it's kind of a, a kind of a cool story and kind of a cool part about me. But my grandfather actually is a huge history buff. He grew up and was born and raised here in Rutherford County, and he actually has a farm out towards um, the Bedford County line and. He is a huge history buff, and from a very young age, he was the guy that kind of got me interested in history. And then, um, you know, whenever it became time for me to go and select which uh, which subject that I was going to be interested in and to be able to, you know, go on and teach in, uh, that's the one that I had selected. Uh, a lot of the groundwork for, you know, trying to make sure that that's, those, those stories are not forgotten and that they're told, that was a huge part of what my grandfather had done with me and a lot of my other, you know, uh, nieces, or not nieces, but a lot of my other cousins, and we... You know, we've learned a lot from him. And then, of course, I wanted to be able to share that knowledge and expand upon that and be able to help other kids in the community. Are these Tennessee stories, American history stories, local family history stories? So a lot of it is local stuff. He actually went to Central whenever it was the first high school around here. So, uh, you know, there's lots of uh, lots of stories that he's telling about that. But he's a huge uh, Civil War buff. So with having Stones River Battlefield right down the street, that's a huge thing that, you know, he and I, we would go there as a kid. He'd take me over there and kind of show me the, where the graveyard was and take me and show me all those different areas where, you know, those significant events had happened and that stuck with me as a kid, and that's uh, that's kind of why I chose this uh, this discipline. But your degrees are in ed- education, so what made you know, or how did you come to know that you wanted to teach it, not just so, study it and fall in love with it? So the thing is, is that with this uh, with the degree that I have, I have it in interdisciplinary studies. And whenever I was going through school here, um, you were basically being prepped to be able to teach all of the subjects. So um, I, I really like science as well. And that was one that I've taken a lot of classes in that I'd also taken a lot of classes in history as well. But, um, you know, going through that and being able to just go through and learn more stuff about that. And <clears throat> the American history stuff has always been something that's really interested me, uh, mainly because, I feel like there's a lot of hidden stories that don't get told. And that was something that I felt like, you know, it was a calling for me to be able to do. 
What what kind of stories? Stories pertaining to race, gender, upper, underrepresented peoples, or stories that just sort of got overlooked along the way in the mad dash to get the big picture? Well, I feel like a lot of times we have these main topics that we have to talk about. You know, we talk about the Civil War, but there's, you know, thousands of things that happen with the Civil War. We talk about the American Revolution, which is what my kids are currently learning about right now. And once again, there's thousands of parts about that. So um, those professional developments Developments that I've went to, I've tried to kind of focus it to not necessarily one specific thing, but trying to find the you know the interesting parts that normally don't get told. So, like whenever I went to Mount Vernon, uh, one of the things that I had went through and found out was uh, that whole seminar was actually based on uh, women of the 18th century, and a lot of times it's um, you know it's not necessarily everybody's favorite subject, but I felt like if I could learn stuff about women of the 18th century, that was something that I could bring back to my kids and kind of, you know, not only get the boys, you know, to realize that, hey, history is not just about for the guys, but also get the young ladies that I teach as well interested in that as well. We'll take a break right here. We'll be right back. This is MTSU on the record. The American Democracy Project is a nonprofit initiative which strives for greater voter registration and civic participation among young people at MTSU and at campuses nationwide. Through encouragement from professors and peers, young adults are shown the value of being more active citizens in their community, their state, and their nation. ADP seeks to nurture programs that raise the campus community's level of engagement with society. For all the latest MTSU news and information, go to mtsunews.com. The Middle Tennessee Writing Project is a program that fosters the effective teaching of writing to students in kindergarten through high school. The project hosts annual summer institutes where teacher participants teach and learn from each other effective techniques of teaching writing. In addition, the project sponsors summer writers camps for youngsters. MTSU is one of 185 sites of the National Writing Project and one of only two in Tennessee. For all the latest MTSU news and information, go to mtsunews.com. Dustin Brennan is our guest. He's an MTSU alum and the 2019 Tennessee State History Teacher of the Year, as determined by the Gilder Lehrman Institute of American History. Did you always intend to be a middle school teacher as opposed to the other grades? So whenever you selected which uh, which grade band that you would like to be a part of, um, middle school definitely attracted me. So that was what my interdisciplinary studies was in, was I'm, I'm actually certified to teach four through eight. So um, I knew that I had narrowed it down to that area. And uh, whenever I got into teaching, I actually started teaching at Rock Springs Middle School um, as soon as I graduated. And I was hired to teach seventh and eighth grade history. So I taught, I think it was three classes of eighth grade and then two classes of seventh grade. And then over the years of doing that, because I did that for probably two or three years, um, the opportunity came open for there to be like a need for just an eighth grade history teacher. And that's whenever I was like, you know what, like that's that's where I'm starting to see where my passion's going. And I could see that my kids were, um, you know, they were extremely involved in the lessons that I were creating uh, in both of those subjects. But um, with eighth grade history and the American aspect of eighth grade history, that was really something that I could see that the kids, that there was a huge need for. And I felt like it was my duty to step up and, and do that position. History is right in your wheelhouse, but if you were called upon to step in and sub for some teacher in some other discipline, could you do it? Have I you could done do it? it. Um, I, I always tell them this. I say, you know, to my kids, I'm like, you know, there's not a whole lot of math that I do in history class, but I can still add and subtract. So <laughs> you know, we can we can do the basics and stuff like that. Uh, 
probably wouldn't want me teaching a whole lot of geometry, but as mm-hmm. far as, uh, you know, doing other subjects, that's, that's definitely something that I could do. But what you're teaching really is truly U.S. history. It is not what we used to call social studies, which uh, entails uh, uh, snippets uh, about other cultures around the world, just sort of introducing students to and giving them a taste of what life is like in Africa and Asia and so forth. So we have that in sixth and seventh grade. That's what, um, see, whenever I taught seventh grade, I actually taught the uh, geography. Mm-hmm. And then the year that I actually switched from seventh to doing just solely eighth grade, that was whenever uh, seventh grade actually changed the standards for that changed mm-hmm. in the state of Tennessee. And they now do the first part of world history in sixth grade, the second part of world history in seventh grade. And then eighth grade is just solely U.S. history. So how do you help keep your history class current? I will say this, our district does a phenomenal job of making sure that we actually have the most up-to-date information and the most up-to-date resources that we can possibly have as a county. So that's something that I definitely would, would give a big shout out to Rutherford County Schools on. Um, I was actually just on the textbook uh, committee where we actually went through and we actually chose the textbooks. And, you know, that's a, that's a long process to be able to do that. But as far as my class goes, I mean, you know, the, the, the main topics of U.S. history, that doesn't change a whole lot. Um, especially the era that I teach. So I teach from colonization up until um, Reconstruction. Um, so, you know, you get, you're doing those professional developments. That, that's always a good way to bring mm-hmm. stuff in. Um, you know, and then, of course, whenever I was at those professional developments, I had colleagues all across the United States that, you know, we go through and we share information and kind of talk back and forth. How do you do this? You know, what's your best way of teaching that? And, you know, kind of swap different stories and swap different types of lessons. And I think that's a a really beneficial uh, way to be able to expand upon the stuff that we do in our classroom. What is the key to making history come alive for young people who might be a lot more concerned with the present and the future than with the past? Absolutely. You know, the big thing is, is to be able to take those kids and put them in the stories in which you're teaching in class. Like, for instance, I'm I, like I said, I was just teaching the American Revolution and we uh, we did the causes of the revolution, being able to go through and say, you know, like tell stories about how taxation was affecting those people, but then put the kids into those stories and say, you know, how would you feel if you had to pay this tax? You know, just because, uh, you know, we had the French Indian War and, you know, you're the one that now has to pay taxes to be able to fund that, even though, you know, that was something that Great Britain had kind of worked out with us. And, you know, the kids are like, you know, that's not fair. Why should I, why should I have to pay for that? And being able to put them in those stories really kind of, I think it helps bring that a lot for the kids. When you're talking about war, do you have some kids who get all wrapped up in the sociological implications of it? And then there are others who are really into the military battles part of it. You know, why why this battle where and what was the strategy and all of that sort of thing? Yeah, so that's something that I do work in because I know that that is an interest for a lot of the kids. For some of the kids, you know, this is something that they've, you know, they've heard about and they know that war happened. But to be able to see and be able to hear the stories about how all this stuff or how these things actually played out, that's a, you know, that's a big thing for them. Uh, being able to tell them about, you know, Paul Revere's ride, that's a huge story that they love to hear. And um, I keep talking about stories, and I think that's kind of a big way that I teach that class is, um, you know, a lot of us joke. It's like, you know, this, this is story time. But, you know, they, you know, these kids, they love to have that kind of stuff being told to them, and they they love to be able to go through and, you know, have those stories told. And you can tell that it's something that they really do latch on to. Are you able to uh, convince them or impart to them that uh, 
there are credible sources of history and not so credible sources of history, and you can't really trust everything you see on oh, the internet. Oh, absolutely. We do a really good job of that as a district as well, of making sure that there's a huge focus on primary and secondary sources and being able to go through and you know let those kids know um, you know how they can go through and how they can analyze documents and try to you know see where does the bias lie and all that stuff. So that's a you know that's a really it's really a big way that history has changed just since I was a kid, you know, in this district and being able to see how we're really pushing those kids to be independent thinkers and uh, going through and exploring things like that on their own. That's a, that's a huge thing that I think is really important for those kids to learn. Are any of your kids into watching the History Channel or documentaries on television? They are. They love it. Um, every year, you know, we teach the Gold Rush towards the end of the year, and the kids are always like, oh, well, yeah, we know all about the Gold Rush. And I'm like, well, you know what you see from the History Channel and Discovery on what the Gold Rush is like now, but that's definitely not how it was back then. It's, but they do know why the San Francisco NFL team is named the 49 Oh, absolutely. I make sure that I put those logos in my in my PowerPoints whenever I'm doing those and, and whatever activities um, I'll throw. I'm, I'm a huge NFL fan, so being able to go through and, and throw that stuff in is always really fun. And even though I don't teach uh, world history, being able to go through and t- teach them about why the Titans are you know named the Titans, because that's something a lot of the kids around here don't know, and a lot of the adults don't realize that either. So, How do you make the connection between the Revolutionary War and life in 2019 America? That, that's a tough thing to be able to do, but being able to go through and say, you know, this right here is the Declaration of Independence. And we, you know, we go through and we read it and they're like, you know, why is it written like this and all this other stuff? And I actually take that. I'm like, you know, this right here, this is the ultimate breakup letter. Like, mm-hmm. this is what really kind of, you know, it was the thing that started to separate us and weave those things in that are more modern for those kids to realize that those guys back in the day, like they, they what they were doing was was setting the frame for work for what we have today. When I was in school, the founding fathers were taught to us as though they were some sort of demigods. But the truth of the matter is they were human. They had human faults and they fought like the devil absolutely. over their particular points of view. Do you impart that? To oh, absolutely. One of my favorite presidents that I get to teach. Well, I mean, I, I love teaching all those guys that I that I'm privileged enough to teach, but Thomas Jefferson, he's, he's a big one. You know, I I spent a week at Monticello, loved learning about him and, you know, I teach the kids. I'm like, you know, he, he did all these wonderful things, but at the end of the day, every single one of these presidents that we've had that I teach, it's like, they've all had their own flaws. And I try to work some of those flaws in, especially if it's stuff that goes in with while they, while they were in office, Mm -hmm. you know, and try to like, let them know maybe how their lives was being able to influence them on the decisions that they were making. Time for another break. We'll be back in just a moment. This is MTSU on the record. Tennessee's farm families contribute to our state's economy, nutrition, and culture. The Tennessee Century Farms Program at MTSU's Center for Historic Preservation acknowledges farms that have been in the same family at least 100 years. To date, the program has certified more than 1,500 farms. There's no cost to nominate a farm or be part of the program. For all the latest MTSU news and information, go to mtsunews.com. The Tennessee Employment Relations Research Association, or TERRA, gives labor relations specialists and academics a chance to share their views and their data. Terra wants academics and other interested in human resources and industrial relations to work together at meetings and conferences to strengthen the workplace. Many MTSU faculty belong to Terra, which has members in 20 states and 7 nations. For all the latest MTSU news and information, go to mtsunews.com. 
We're talking with Dustin Brannon, an MTSU alum who was named 2019 Tennessee State History Teacher of the Year by the Gilder Lehrman Institute of American History. So you're the dean of the eighth grade. That is correct. At Rocky Fork. What exactly does it mean to be the dean of the eighth grade? So with my background um, and my master's being in school administration, uh, this is basically um, a position where it's kind of like the the forefront for kids whenever they, you know, they might like, you know, they may skip school or they may have something like where, you know, we need to talk to them about attendance or minor issues that may happen within our hallway. That's something that that the deans would go through and handle. And then, you know, if something, you know, you know, progresses, then it goes to the uh, rest of the administration. The deans actually take a little bit of the pressure off the principal by handling some of those uh, we, duties. Yes. And, and that, that's a that's a big thing, especially with me being in the hallway. And I'm actually one of two now. The, the big thing is, is that we're in and out of the classrooms as much as we can be and letting those kids know that, that you know, if there ever is an issue that they have someone that they are more familiar with that they can come in and talk to and stuff like that. School security seems to be a big issue, at least nationally these days. How do you handle it at Rocky Fork? So I'll say this. We have uh, we've have a phenomenal SRO who's always, you know, out and roaming the school and making sure the kids know that he's there. And once again, it's somebody that the kids know they can go to and they can talk to in the event that any issue were to arise. But uh, Rutherford County Schools and the uh, Rutherford County Sheriff's Department, they do a great job of working together and providing the, the safest environment for our kids to be able to learn. Eighth grade is sort of a weird time. It, it's where the tweens are in that awkward stage where you're not quite a kid anymore, but you're not quite an adult yet. That is true. Do you find that interesting to deal with? I mean, in terms of, of the psychology of the tween as he or she is developing? It's really cool because, you know, it, you know, a lot of them are involved in sports or different extracurricular activities. And, you know, being able to to get those kids and be one of the very first teachers that's in those kids' lives to be able to say, let's focus all this energy that you have and let's focus it into something that you can, you know, that you can do that's outside of school. Um, one of the big things that I do at our school is I created a U.S. History Club. And, you know, being able to take those kids who are just like, you know, they're they're wound up. They're always wanting to do something and being able to focus their energy into something that is going to be extremely productive, I think, is a big part of uh, why middle school teachers do what they do. How do you think MTSU helped prepare you to be the best history teacher you can be? You know, um, I had a, a professor up here. If I have, a, you know, numerous ones that I, you know, loved. Uh, Dr. Tharp told me, um, she told me when she was teaching us, she said, there is no class that will ever prepare you for the day that you walk into the classroom and you're in charge. That piece of advice was the best piece of advice that I think I was ever given. Um, as far as the classes go, you know, we gained the content and we were able to go out and, you know, visit classes and do different types of uh, activities with different, you know, classrooms all throughout the community. But whenever you become a teacher, it's a, it's a very, you know, learning on your feet, very first thing, you know. So now that the hoopla has died down, are you just Mr. Brannon again instead of a celebrated person? No, I've always Mr. Brannon. So that's that's just <laughs> it. You know, it's like I said, it's it's an honor to be selected for that. And, and you, know, you know, the award, it was it was a great, great honor. But at the end of the day, my focus is on those kids. And that's, you know, that's really where my heart lies. Did any of the kids say anything to you about it? So this happened over the summer. So um, a couple of my kids, they had emailed me and they were like, hey, you know, congratulations. Uh, a lot of the kids that I had that moved up, they had known about, and a lot of their parents had found out. So they, you know, they sent me some really kind emails, you know, congratulating me and stuff like that. You mean when the fall session began, the principal didn't get over the PA and said, "Attention, students." She did, yeah, she did. Miss Clark, she's the principal at our school, and uh, you know, she had announced that in a faculty meeting, which I was unaware that she was going to do. So I'm sure my face turned four shades of red, but. <laughs> 
Um, but yeah, you know, and like I said, we, as a school, we're, we're really a huge unit and we're working together. And it's, it's like I said, it's an honor to be celebrated by the end of the day. I mean, I'm good because, you know, a lot of the, the colleagues, all the colleagues I work with are great. And the reason why I'm able to do the things in my classroom is because of the colleagues in my hallway, you know, so it, it's just a huge community and we're all basically a big family out there. Okay. So the emphasis for your master's degree was school administration. You're the eighth grade dean right now. Do you aspire? to be a principal or a superintendent someday? Yes, ma'am. I, that's the that's the goal. So, um, you know, whenever that whenever that opportunity, uh, you know, presents itself, I'll, I'll definitely be one that will jump into it and with uh, open arms and be able to, to excel in that. What about the difference between being a teacher in the trenches, so to speak, and being an administrator? Um, do you fear that you, you might lose touch if you enter the administrative realm? Or do you think, think the fact that you have already been there and done that as a classroom teacher will make you a better administrator. I'll say this, um, all the administrators that I have worked with, and I've worked with a number over the years, they do a really good job of making sure that they are in those classrooms and being able to see what those teachers are doing and being a part of those lessons as much as they can. That's something that I have really been able to see from the outside, from a teacher's perspective. Um, a lot of people get nervous whenever your principal walks in, but you know, all the principals that I've ever worked with, they've all been you know 100% supportive and wanting to be able to go in there and be a part of those classrooms and letting the kids know that they're, you know, that they're there for them as well. And that's something that I've definitely, you know, witnessed over the years. And I, that's the type of administrator that I, I aspire to be, you know, and the very first principal I ever worked with, Mr. Treadway, he, uh, he told me, he said, you know, don't worry about all the stuff that you have to, you know, that, that all the, you know, like a lot of people worry about. He's like, you know, go in, do your job. And at the end of the day, everything will work out. And that's, you know, that's advice that I've taken. And it's, it's worked pretty well for me so far. Mm-hmm. How are the parents, the relationship that you have with the parents of the kids that you teach? Well, how would you describe that? You know, um, middle school is kind of a weird age. Uh, a lot of, a lot of the times the parents are not, you know, in the school as much as they would be in like an elementary school setting. But, um, you know, going to games, going to football games and volleyball games and all different kinds of sporting events and different types of club events that they have, uh, being able to go out there and, you know, meet those those parents, that's a huge thing. And whenever they're able to put a face with the people, you know, that they're, you know, they spend a lot of time with their kids, that's a huge difference maker. So, you know, being able to let those parents know who I am and, you know, kind of like what we're doing in class, it's a, it's a huge thing, keeping that open line of communication because it, uh, it definitely takes a village to raise kids and, you know, being a part of that individual child's village is a huge, you know, it's a huge thing that I, I definitely take very seriously. So having those relationships with those parents is a huge aspect of, uh, of what I do daily. Have you taught any kids who you think might aspire to be history teachers or historians? You know, I, I've actually had a few that have come back to me over the years and said, oh, you know, I really want to do this. I'd like to, you know, do this in college. Can I come back and watch you? And, you know, I'm always like, yeah, if, if this is what you're interested in, I mean, I'd love to have you. So that's, uh, that's you know, honestly, you could, you know, people can gain awards all day long. But for me, that's that's the biggest thing that I can get. Like, that's the the best type of, uh, you know, a thing that, that a kid can do is say, you inspired me to do this as a profession. And now I want to come back and, you know, be a part of this. And that, uh, you know, that's something that, that I get a little bit emotional about because you can definitely tell you've definitely changed that kid's life. And that's, uh, you know, that's a huge thing to be able to do. Dustin Brannon, 2019 Tennessee State History Teacher of the Year. Congratulations once again, and thanks for being our guest on MTSU on the Record. Thank you so much for having me. We'll be right back. The Army ROTC College Program at MTSU prepares students mentally, physically, and emotionally to become leaders and promotes virtues of duty, honor, country. 
ROTC cadets are involved in all academic disciplines, athletics, and student organizations at MTSU. Full scholarships and tuition assistance are awarded based on merit. All cadets upon graduation will serve their country as second lieutenants either in the Army, Army Reserve, or Army National Guard. For all the latest MTSU news and information, go to mtsunews.com. Women in Science and Engineering, or WISE, helps college women prepare for and become involved in science-related careers. WISE nurtures women's interest in these fascinating and critical fields and provides mentoring and networking opportunities. The group's main goal is to assure women of their importance in all scientific and technical fields and to promote equal opportunity and treatment of women in science. I'm Dr. Judith Iriarte-Gross, WISE advisor. For all the latest MTSU information, go to mtsunews.com. Gina Fan has the middle moment. Grammy-nominated songwriter Odie Blackman, an MTSU alumnus who also coordinates the university's commercial songwriting program, is helping current and future colleagues put a little more cash in their pockets as a member of a new U.S. Copyright Office music licensing committee. The group, part of the new Music Modernization Act, is working toward a January 2021 deadline to ensure that composers earn proper royalties when their music is streamed online. This is just an extension of what I'm already doing at MTSU, and that's building a future for songwriters. I've seen firsthand what's happened to our royalty streams, and I want my students to be able to go out and have a career the way I have. I want them to be able to not only write great songs, but be able to put food on the table with those songs. It's a singles game as far as making a living right now. We're missing out on a lot of wonderful music because of the way things are. Because when great songwriters can't get paid, they end up doing other things and we miss out. That's MTSU on the record. I'm Jenna Logue. Thanks for listening. MTSU On The Record, a news and information program about Middle Tennessee State University, is produced by the university's Marketing and Communications Office, which is solely responsible for its content. Read more about MTSU at our website, mtsunews.com. Podcasts of this program are available at mtsunews.com and on iTunes.